I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of the London Lyceum. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak. And I'm your co-host, Brandon Askew. And it's another episode of the Hanover House, our monthly meeting of a couple of pastors together to talk about uh, usually previous episodes and try to press it in and apply it a little bit more uh, to the local church because a lot of our episodes are more high level and not getting down to the level of, well, what do I do if I'm a church member or if I'm a pastor? How do I apply this? So I think um, we had talked about discussing the episode that just came out on uh, last Wednesday when you guys are hearing this on grandstanding. And we could take this a number of ways because I think grandstanding, this idea of just using moral talk to make yourself look better or make other people look stupid or whatever it is, could use that in a lot of ways to talk about a lot of different issues. So I have no idea where this is going to go. I mean, you guys are listening. We've been talking for the last 20 minutes about stuff and it's gone 50 different directions. So we'll see how this is. This is uh, most of our episodes. You know, when we interview people, we come prepared for this. I've got a couple of idea questions to ask, but for the most part, it's unplanned. So We'll see where it goes. Hopefully, hopefully this is helpful. I don't know what Jake just said. He, he you know, he mouths something silently. Um, oh yeah, it's you guys, spontaneous, it's spontaneous. <laughs> That's right. So, in some ways, if you listen to Doctrine and Devotion, I mean, Jimmy and Joe are getting to this whole like Uber extra, like unplanned, where it's just like let's you know grab a beer or whatever and watch the game and talk. Where I don't think we're quite to that level. I've got a little bit more organization than that, but uh, we have Connor with us. Well, let's Susan make it Hitchcock. clear to our audience: we're not drinking beer together on this thing. We don't want anybody to have a impression of that. Right? Oh, I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> 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 I, well, I guess hey, I'm in Mississippi. I'm not in one of them liberal states like y'all. So. That, that's right. I guess I'm probably the only one allowed to do anything. So, <laughs> but it's it's three in the afternoon, so I just have coffee. So maybe we start with just grandstanding. So if you haven't listened to the episode yet, I do recommend you go check it out. I think we talked to Brandon Warmke, who wrote this book with OUP on grandstanding. And I, I really think it's, it's fantastic. I think he was a great interview. He's really fun and enjoyable to listen to. So I think you'll enjoy the episode if you haven't listened to it, if you haven't, um, and you're not going to, for whatever reason, uh, I mean, we talked about the idea. I mean, a lot of people use the terminology of virtue signaling. I think if you listen to the episode, you find Brandon thinks that's an unhelpful, unclear term, but it is the term most people use when they're talking about grandstanding. So just to kind of give you some context on that. And obviously that, I mean, everybody's doing it, it seems. So the question then is, what do we do about it as individuals? What do we do about it as for you three pastors? Um, And then what do you do about it at the society at large? Um, Brandon made the case, Warmke, our guest, not ask you here, uh, that grandstanding is always bad except in certain select cases. So he made the case of lying. So lying is typically universally bad, but I think all of us would agree, well, there are scenarios where it's given a morally good status. So Rahab or the Hebrew midwives, when they lie or the Nazis knock at your door and you've got Jews hidden, you lie that they're not there. That is a morally good thing for whatever reason. So maybe there is a scenario where grandstanding is okay, but on the whole, 
grandstanding is bad. And I think Matthew six kind of gets at the idea when it's talking about, you know, when you fast, uh, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces, you know, and goes on your, your rewards and you, you have your reward for people like liking your post or, or sharing your post or whatever it is. Uh, but don't do that. Do all those things in secret. So I, I think the scriptures also give a negative view of grandstanding for the most part. So maybe we just start with, how, do you think grandstanding is always bad? And um, yeah, we'll just start there. Do you think it's always bad? Yeah, let me throw this out there. Um, I think the definition of grandstanding and whether or not you are engaging in grandstanding has more to do with your intentions of why you're signaling, to use Brandon Warmke's word there. What is, what's the desire in your mind and your heart for why you are signaling what you're signaling? Um, so I don't, I don't know if you can just declare anything um, grandstanding, if we're thinking about that in the negative sense, without discerning the person's heart. And that's difficult to do on social media. Um, so I, I want to say it's not always bad um, if it's done with the proper uh, intentions, but I think that would then negate the very definition. You're not grandstanding if you're doing it for the right intentions. You're helping or you're sharing um, something worthwhile to whoever it is you're signaling. So I, and yeah, yeah I, I just, I think back. I mean, there's so many examples of when this, when I started to see grandstanding, I, I think back to college and the whole Coney stuff where like, I don't remember, you know, they'd put posters of Coney up and be like, we're raising awareness. I feel like that, that terminology raising awareness is almost synonymous with grandstanding because there was literally nothing to be done about it except for, I'm going to raise awareness and take a photo and put it on my Instagram or not on Instagram. Wasn't a thing back then, I guess, Facebook profile, but it it just seems like it was always negative in my mind. It was just trying to show off that, you know, I cared about these, you know, virtuous things, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So maybe, maybe that's a distinction. If you actually have intentions to, to do something actively, um, what you say is not grandstanding, but if all you're doing is just talking about it and have no intentions to do anything, then it is grandstanding. I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking. Well, um, I'm, you know, the, the Pharisee in, in Luke 18 was actually doing things, um, but, but he was doing them for the wrong reason. So hmm. yeah, I'm not go, sure okay. that, that a distinction just between talking and doing not really sure. gets us. Um, but yeah, that was really all I was going to say. Um, about that, I don't know if you wanted to pivot in a different different direction, or you want me to keep going. No, 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 that's fine. So, Jake, did did you have any disagreement with whether grandstanding is always bad or not? Before I move on to more concrete scenarios, I, I can get. I think again, it goes back to. I I think Connor's right. There's that element of its intention, but but I do think that what stood out to in my mind listening to the episode is I kept coming back to really a lot of this seems connected to the bent that we have. I think because we're fallen and Adam, number one, 
And number two, that we still have to wrestle with, even as believers, is a legalistic bent that we have and that we do like to compare ourselves to other people. Um, everybody who dies in their sins and unbelief dies believing that they're better than somebody else because we like to find who we think is the worst person on this planet or the worst people that we know and compare ourselves to them and build ourselves up. And a lot of this to me comes back to when we have such a view of merit, a merit system where if we do this and do that and give off and convey certain things, that it elevates us in comparison to everybody else. And so we've got to be outworking, so to speak, everyone that we can think of in order to earn this special place. And, and I just think that it's interesting, the terminology, where we're at in our current moment, and yet this has always been the plague that has been upon us as human beings of how we think. You know, I, I think you could go back and let's go let's go to Victorian England. And there were always many people who were very wealthy using their wealth to start orphanages, to start different homes, to help the poor. And no doubt many of the, many of them had good intentions. But there was also a segment of that where it was you're trying to outdo others as far as making a difference in the society in order to make yourself look better and to feel better about yourself. So there's no real, there's no room here for grace. That's out the window. Uh, it, it is a legalistic driven merit workspace mentality. There's a lot of talkers, but there's also doers, but they're doing it not out of gracious motivation because God has shown me grace and, and I want to honor him and show love to him and love the neighbor, but it's trying to earn a status. Well, I would even suggest. Oh, sorry, Jordan. No, I'm just saying it was good. <laughs> it was. It was, it was Jake. I almost called you John because you got your name right there. <laughs> That's really funny. Just noticed it. Who um, is John Spillsbury, Connor? Uh, it's right, Connor with an E. Um, now, what, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. So, related to what Jake slash John Spillsbury said, I, I think, and this is something that uh, Brandon Warmke alluded to i don't think he used these terms but it's a term i've talked about before with some of my folks here this idol of association or this idol of some people call it tribalism we have to feel or we we have this desire to make sure that we are associated with a group that we're a part of a tribe and i think you see that flesh out um it, let's just our camp our neck of the woods that reformed them right you've got oh i'm a I'm a Westminster guy, or I'm a 1689. I'm a 1689, but I'm not that 1689. It's, it's, it's just even smaller and smaller and smaller. And we feel like we have to voice our position on just about every issue. Um, and if we don't, then oh, people don't know where I'm at. You know, I, I, I have to have an opinion on this. And, you know, I think it's it takes some uh, maturity, I would even say, to say, you know what? I don't have to have an opinion on this. I don't have to publicize my opinion on this. Um, so, you know, it was a lot easier when we didn't have an avenue to voice our opinion. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one of the things they had to write he said, pamphlets, they had to write pamphlets back in the day, and that took yeah, time that's right. to write it and print it and publish it. Well, one of the things Brandon said about you know, um, 
moral grandstanding is that this it's a terrible way to to go about uh, obtaining truth. And I just mm-hmm. wonder how yeah. you know as we get deeper and deeper into this, like um, you know how do how do you undo this? Because we're we're not actually that the aim isn't even that that's the thing. Like the aim's not even truth. It's not that we're having an argument back and forth and I've come to a conclusion and you've come to a conclusion. We're not even, that's not in the, even the objective. The objective is to not find out which one of us has more of the truth on our side. The objective is either for me to make myself look good to my side who are already agreeing with me or to make you look stupid. And so then, you know, this gets into the whole polarization piece of it and i just so not only are we not even you know grasping for truth we're grasping for status or domination but but now with with the polarization part of it it just doesn't seem like there's any way to like take a couple steps back i I don't see how that happens like on a societal level i and, and maybe i'm just pessimistic i don't know but i just don't see how you walk this back after we've just you know, he made the point though. This has really been happening for decades, and now it's just accelerated even more. You know, in the last decade with with so- social media, um, I, I I just do not have high hopes for the way all this ends. But well, Brandon, you've know. talked about this before. I mean, I, I don't. Maybe this is related to grandstanding, but it's it's like f- coming out in um, f- real relationships or real interactions with people where. People are walking up to people who are sitting having dinner on a on a street side cafe saying, you better say Black Lives Matter. Sorry to bring that up, Jordan, but you better say <laughs> this. You you better declare that you're one of us or else. So yeah. it's like it's coming to the extreme where it's more than a desire for us to feel like we have to say where we are. But now other people are going to start demanding that we show who we're faithful to and who we want to be with. Mm-hmm. Um I just thought of that when you were mentioning, hey, this is not, it's its almost irreversible. It's going down a, a bad road. And I think, Brandon, you've been right before, even today, saying we're already there. We're already in this place where you have to declare your allegiance or else. Um, and well, and, and we're so, we, we, we've become so cynical um, toward one another, even on an individual level, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody recently just about like little random acts of kindness, you know, that you would, you would do. And I I feel like, you know, there's still, you know, a number of, a lot of people who are just going to take that at face value, you know, thank you for, for whatever that was, you know, but I think now we don't, we don't see each other as just, Oh, this, this individual just did something nice for me. Now it's like, we we're kind of sizing them up thinking like, well, did you have a, a reason for doing that? Or are you just doing that to like maintain, you know, this um, certain status that you have or whatever, you know, it, we just look at each other in a more, cyn- from a more cynical stance now. And so it's not, it's not, it's not just, it's not just this high level, like, okay, left versus right thing. Now it's like me and my neighbor. And, you know, it, it so it impacts everything down to the, the, the most, fundamental level of of family and neighbor and everything else that we can't just, um, you know, go to Thanksgiving and enjoy, you know, a a dinner with our brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and everything, because now we have to show them how, you know, 
right we are on this political issue and how wrong they are for beginning to even think the way they think on this issue. Like there's nothing um, like Truman has said um, when we interviewed him back in the spring, nothing's pre-political now. Um, And that's super, super worrying because that's how you get a totalitarian society is that, that nothing is, is outside of the political realm, which means there's more things that, the state is involved in and, and, and enforces not trying to be alarmist here, but I mean, that just seems like an inevitable path that we're going down. So Brandon Warmke in the episode said, basically, how do we stop grandstanding? And he's like, uh, you can only do it for yourself. You can't really change anybody else. Hmm. Um, so you guys, Connor and Brandon are both going like, I don't know where it goes from here. It's only downhill. Um, and if Brandon Warmke is right that you can't change other people to tell them to stop it, I mean, what 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 do you think about that as pastors? I mean, I'm sure you have congregants who um, are addicted to grandstanding in, in particular ways. How, how do you handle that? Is that something that's hands off? Well, or I mean, we something? we all I mean, we all do this. I, th- I mean, even even those of us who would try to pretend. I mean, I think this is just. Some people do it more than others. Yeah, but, no, you're right. But so, you know, I think from a pastoral perspective, you would approach it just like you would any other um, unhealthy behavior. You would you would preach and teach about it. That doesn't mean you you necessarily have to direct that at one individual. Like, hey, I saw your Facebook post last week. That was more grandstanding. You, John Smith, need to stop it. Like, you don't have to go about it that way. But I mean, just like we would any other any other situation that needs to be addressed. I mean, I think that's really the only way that we, or we can just talk about it one-on-one with someone, not about, not about them, but just about, Hey man, don't you think this is like a, have you noticed this phenomenon? And like, look at, look at what it's probably doing to us. Like this is just to raise awareness of, of the consequences of it. So then maybe what, what virtues do you think there are that we can cultivate um, in our people to mitigate against this tendency I mean, obviously, I think self-control is the fruit of the spirit. I, I think that's probably a, a big aspect of it. Um, just like gentleness and open to reason, those other types of things are, are also part of that. Yeah, I mean, humility um, yeah. uh, and openness to, you know, critical thinking, because, you know, normally these issues that we have um, sliced into, you know, black and white and and good or evil or, or, or whatever it may be like they're usually a lot more complicated than we make them out to be um now i mean i'm not saying we we just live in this mushy gray area and that we never take a stand on anything yeah. but i it, it seems like <clears throat> um we're much more inclined now to just you know say something as if you know the other another perspective isn't even worth entertaining um, but but if you take the time to actually understand maybe why a, a, another perspective um, is popular, then you may be a little bit better in how you talk about it. Now, I don't know that that necessarily follows, but I think learning more about other viewpoints is never a bad thing. So, yeah. What about just self-awareness? Number one, for example, I I'm not going to sway anybody's opinion. I don't. I don't have any authority, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I haven't written any, I haven't 
gotten my PhD in grandstanding studies, you know, or, or I'm not an, I can't claim to be an expert on really any topic. So I, I think sometimes we can ask ourselves or ask the question, am I really qualified and the second question, are people even going to listen to me uh, through the medium that I'm using? Now, we're talking about social media because that's where a lot of this is, is taking place. But you're not going to, I think we've said this before, you're not going to change anybody's opinion on Facebook. You're actually probably just going to stir the pot more than anything. Uh, you're not going to change anybody's opinion on Twitter. Um, but it's serious. Though. I mean, I would even add as, as a pastor who's not been at his church very long, I, I sat down with a couple of my elders and I said, do I need, do I even need to address this election coming up? Do, do I need to even coach our congregation on what to be thinking about? Uh, Cause I asked, will I even change any minds? I mean, I know kind of where our, my church is politically. I know they probably aren't going to be swayed uh, on what to do. It's like, why do I even, why should I even broach the subject so, so it, it has to do with, again, back to self-awareness, awareness of who I am as a, a non-expert on almost anything that I talk about. Um, and number two, your, your environment and your hearers and, and if it's going to have any positive impact at all. Um, so I don't know. A few, few things. One thing that we'll go back to what Brandon said earlier, and I think this is really where the heart of a matter of this stuff, the controversy and the issues is about truth. And that means this is why we need to be a people who are saturated in the scriptures, who know the, the great tradition, the creeds, the confessions, the catechisms, that we know what is true. And we give ourselves to what is true and teach what is true and have that anchor. I, I would say right now where we're moving at. With, with this whole notion of we have so much further and further broken down, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when talk radio became really big in America, it was about, you know, lending the voice for the ordinary guy who felt like the, the, the three major news channels didn't care about them and didn't speak to them. And then the rise of cable news. But now it's just multiplied even more to a whole host of if you've got a computer or a phone and you can record yourself, all of a sudden you're saying things and there's going to be somebody out there who agrees with you. And now you've got a following. Well, that changes nonstop of what's in, what's out. So that's why we need to know truth, real truth and be anchored to that. Number one. Number two, how do we do deal with this in the local church? And I think this is where it gets down to, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and I think we've mentioned this before, but what's happened is we know everything. We know everything. We know everything that's happening. And the problem is, is we start thinking that I've got to have an opinion about everything, solve everything, talk about everything, and persuade everybody on everything. And that is a burden that will crush a person and burn them out quickly. Instead, what we need to be able to do is take what is true and pour it into each other. And that's why the local church is is critical, real membership, real discipleship, real fellowship that goes beyond just having a hot dog and chips and talking about the weather or the game and actually talking about real truth with each other and listening to each other. 
if a local church does not have the ability, if we in the church don't have the ability to be able to talk about tough subjects, hard issues, places where we see growth, but also to be able to say, I'm really struggling in this area. If we can't do that in a local church, where will we be able to do that at? It's nowhere. And this nameless, faceless stuff that people do, um, it's easy to denounce somebody online. It takes a lot more work to actually be able to look at somebody across the table, eye to eye, and to pour yourself into them and also for them to be able to pour out to you and vice versa. And we're losing that. We're losing that. We're all becoming a little island. We have no sense of community. If I go on a spill here for a minute, we have no sense of community in this nation anymore. We don't. We have no sense of community. And in the church, what has always been so amazing about the church of Jesus Christ is a community of people who don't look the same, don't think the same on everything, don't sound the same. And yet, thirdly, how do we get past a lot of this? It's because we see that our identity is in Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. And if we don't see that that's the major piece of it all, if we don't see that us being in Christ trumps everything else that exists, then we're missing it as the people of God. John Spillsbury, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm losing my composure here. Brand- <laughs> Well, Jake, Jake, when you said something about something Trump and something, I, <laughs> I like lost all my you really focus. emphasize that word, Jake, as if you were maybe grandstanding let the listener opinion. Let about the it. listener understand. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so thinking grandstanding, I mean, there are a lot of uh, specific examples of people doing this. I mean, Connor really can't do any grandstanding about sports this year, so that's not really a thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Brandon can't either, I don't think, but neither can I, so none of us can. Um, Why can't I? What do you got? I mean, we're three and one. We had a bad road loss, but I mean, still three and one. The Braves went to the NLCS. I mean, we might have choked it away, but we were there. The Panthers are doing better you know, than, could, than, than than anybody expected. I think North Carolina controls their destiny, Brandon. I think you're I think you're okay. Yeah, we still got Notre Dame. Not Dame a good team. That's not happening. That's not happening. I'm not so, saying it's happening. I'm let me, let me just back up. Let me, let me back up for a second here. Then we can get <laughs> this train back on the track. Well, before <laughs> the season started, my and I have text messages to prove this. My uh, projection for Carolina this year was eight or nine wins. Never for a second did I think we were a top five team. So, and eight or nine wins is still easily doable. So we can move on now. Was that with the twelve game schedule that included four cupcakes, non conference, or is that the current ACC conference schedule? Y'all played Auburn. That is a cupcake. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, we've, no we've totally lost control. Listeners, I don't. All right, so grandstanding examples. I mean, the the obvious one right now um, relates to. Well, there's a. I guess there's a couple obvious ones that relates to it. Um, how you vote uh, in the election, um, what you think about COVID. I mean, 
you've depending on where you're at, you're grandstanding one way or another. You're grandstanding because, well, I wear six masks on my face, and um, other people are like grandstanding because you know I don't wear a mask ever, and I just laugh at people who do because, well, it's it's funny and stupid. Um, I feel like those are the two most common areas to grandstand now. And I mean, I think we've kind of, we've a little bit covered it where I, I just don't see the value in it. So if, if we want to talk about these issues in, in a reasonable, legitimate way, how, how do you do that? I mean, Jake, you were talking about, you know, it's hard work. You've got, you, you know, like you can't do hot dogs and chips or whatever. I, I don't know why you're hating on hot dogs and chips, but discriminating against them. I feel like you can have a good conversation over those. Uh, maybe you need some black coffee, Jake. But that sounds atrocious. Hey, I tried that to provide atrocious. a very uh, doable resource in that, but I don't even He's, know if he knows how to. Okay. Things up. If you're going to send me coffee, don't make me have to go grind it up when I don't I have don't the even, tools I, for all I, that. You're, you're beyond hope, Jake. So grandstanding. I, I mean, Here's an example of it: the coffee snobbery. I mean, that's that's a, that's a that's an example of it right here. And I agree. I'm I look. I'm there on food, so hey, I do it too. So 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 today the the day we're doing this, J Pipe dropped you know an article on what Jay Pipe. <laughs> what what you think about voting and everything, and I feel like. Uh, some people are probably going to say, well, you're just grandstanding. You're just trying to show, look, look how, you know, morally virtuous I am and in, in the decisions that I make or whatever. But I don't feel, you know, knowing John Piper, that's not him trying to grandstand. That's him trying to legitimately craft a response and get people to think. Um, so how do you like, I guess, talk about contentious things like this in a way that's, not going to be seen as grandstanding or does it matter if it's seen as grandstanding as long as you're doing it with the right intentions, Connor? I mean, I, I guess I, I think there needs to be more discussion about these things. I, do we just take it out of the public sphere? I think just, so. I, I, well, here's an example, I, a real life example. I, I obviously pastor a church here in Michigan and our leadership was div- not, I wouldn't say divided, but we had uh, a person or two who were, vehemently against i will never wear a mask period ever and this is someone in leadership and the church came to a decision that we we will recommend this and even have a mask only service and this person's not participating at all in any of that so i I was getting frustrated like you're doing this for political reasons or you're doing this to make a statement uh for some reason and he this person would never tell me why he wouldn't. So I was just assuming things until finally I said, this isn't going to work unless we try to sit down in a room and try to understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming from trying to meet people where they are so I can have an opportunity to minister to them. So I'll wear a mask. Um, and he was coming from, a, from the other side. I think he had a legitimate reason why not to say I totally agree with it. Uh, but him, finally opening up and saying, okay, this is really why I'm not wearing a mask. And he related it to um, uh, physical health issues and also mental health issues, which I'm not going to discredit. Again, not an expert in those fields, uh, but at least I was finally able to take a deep breath and say, okay, 
now we can actually talk about this. So I'm not, uh, I'm not thinking something or, or, or being misled by my own thoughts with his intentions or or his intent, you know, trying to guess what his intentions are. Um, So I I think, I, I mean, we've, we've rehashed this and we've hit this so many times, but I think that's it. I mean, you, you, you have to be willing to maybe open up, be vulnerable a little bit and, and just spill it with another brother and say, this is why, this is where I'm coming from. My, my thoughts, my experiences, even my emotions as flawed as they are. um, I think that can create what we mentioned earlier is empathy. I don't know if we were recording at that time, but um, yeah, anyway, I'm rambling. I remember back several, I, I can't remember when it was we did this, but uh, Jordan emphasized 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6. And that's really stuck with me trying to keep in mind about biblical love. Should we not try to think the best of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah. Now, I think we, you know, Brandon spoke earlier about we don't want to be cynical about everything. Um and we're going to understand why lost people, unregenerate people, act the way that they do. We know the theological reasons and biblical reasons. We still are to love our neighbor, regardless of whether they're a believer or not. But when we're talking about these things inside the context of the church, um, I think that we would do well as our starting point to go back again, that this is a person, if, if I, I believe this person is a brother or sister, and that means that they're just as adopted as I am. They're just as much in union with Christ as I am. They're just as justified as I am. And we're going to spend eternity with each other in the presence of Christ. So should I not from that beginning point, that doesn't mean we get lovey-dovey and excuse everything and say there's no right, no wrong, and so forth. But in our dealings with each other and conversations, um, we, we should be able to think the best of each other. And then if we're in the same local church, we're in covenant with each other. We've made a covenant to Jesus Christ as our head and to each other as members of this body. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. And that's, that's fine. Um, the John Piper article, um, I, I was glad to share it. I don't agree with everything that he said or all of his analysis, but I do think and this is just my personal opinion, so I could be wrong. But I think that he hit really the core of the issue in his pastoral application section. And I think the reason that a lot of people maybe don't like it a lot is because it makes us uncomfortable. Because I don't think we really want to pa- think about pastoring in a country and society where it really is almost getting to the point where it's illegal, maybe to gather together as believers and hold public worship because we affirm certain truths that are no longer popular. I think a lot of guys are, and I'm not saying I'm longing for that. that that's a whole other uh, mindset to have to think through. But I think we're very much, you know, the prophet said, woe to those who are at ease at Zion. I think a lot of American Christianity enjoys being at ease. And we're seeing more and more as the years go by I'm sorry, I don't see the post-millennial vision happening. All I see is, you know, it's not looking too hot going forward. And, you know, we thought 2016 was a crazy election. I don't think we've got a clue what's going to happen with this one in two weeks. 
And who knows how long it's going to take to count votes. So how are we going to handle that as a society where days become weeks? And if we thought the election in 2000 was bitter, this is going to make that look like a cupcake. So how do we navigate through all of this? And I don't think 2021 is going to be, you know, peace and prosperity. So that, that, and I think that's where it gets down is we, we really, we all need to spend a lot of time in Ecclesiastes. It's our raw world. It's gritty. It's tough. It's difficult. And it's why it should make us realize this isn't the permanent home. We long for something else. Now, how do we faithfully plot? And dividing and devouring each other, as Paul talks about in Galatians, is not going to make the pilgrimage pleasant. Well, Jake, you know, you mentioned people drawing lines too tightly on, you know, who's who's a brother and sister and being like, remember, you have they're your brother and sister, even if you disagree. I, I think people are just drawing really tight lines saying, you know what, mm-hmm. if you disagree with these things, then you probably aren't a Christian. Um, yeah. And, and making it like... I, I disagree- told somebody, yeah, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, I, I get the point that a lot of people make about, I don't understand how, okay, it'll start, I don't know how a Christian does this or does that, okay? And it's all Americanized. So we make... American cultural things, pillars of orthodoxy. A pillar of orthodoxy, as far as how I understand it, is supposed to be something that's universal and timeless that all Christians have believed. Well, if you start making every cultural thing that we're having that's happening right down and applications to those cultural problems, if you begin to make that orthodoxy, then you're right. You're going to end up having nobody left but you and your little cult that agrees with you. And then what happens is whoever's in your little cult, then you're going to find something you don't agree with. And, you know, just get smaller and smaller to where, you know what? You're John the Baptist and Elijah. You're the only one left. You're it. You're the lone voice crying in the wilderness. And that is very egotistical. I love how no matter what the topic is, we always get a little sermon from Jake. That's good. That's good stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's just it's just that fundamentalist in me man it's i gotta preach it out of me <laughs> hey i'm not complaining <laughs> man that's good no i i think it's great yeah hey, I, I think I, I could have been a good lawyer or a politician you know hey <laughs> but i'm a preacher so what's that say so i don't know if i, I want to smart s- enough yeah. <laughs> i mean <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> uh, well, Everybody who's wondering what that sound is, that's Jake's drink and his ice. And it's, yeah, uh, I, think, nice I don't think there's any drink pepper. left, dude. It's just ice in there, man. <laughs> I don't know if you picked well, up on I that. Just had to get, I got to get something to, you know, yeah, it melts. And so I refresh myself to keep preaching when my turn comes. Maybe I'll edit that out. I don't know. I can try. Um, do we want to talk a little bit more about grandstanding or do we want to talk a little bit? We've had multiple episodes on gender stuff. Um, I know I'm just, totally throwing this out there. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. Maybe not. Um, I, I I mean, I think the idea is we're, we're in a culture right now and, and even in our own local churches where people are wanting to split fracture. And a lot of that is being generated. A lot of that polarization is generated from this grandstanding where it just, it creates more and more heat, more and more friction, more and more tension. And how do we kind of throw some water on that fire to calm people down and say, you know what? You can be friends and disagree on some stuff, 
Like you can be friends and disagree on some more fundamental stuff. Like we can have different views of the economy, different views uh, of governmental structure and overreach and different views on COVID or whatever the heck it is. And, and we can still be friends. Like that's cool. You know, you know, you can do that, right? You can worship at the same church and disagree on how different matters of, of policy. Um, obviously there are some core things, but I think Jake, to your to your point, you know, us Americans, we get caught up in a lot of things in the wrong core things. My undergrad, which will remain unnamed, uh, basically, you know, when I went there, it was like politics is king and, you know, religion is subservient to politics and serves our, our political gain. And, and really the, the core of your identity was your conservative politics. And oh, you went to Liberty. Seems... That must be Liberty. Yeah, you totally just gave it away. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Fighting Paul Will. Hey, fall was gone, man. Well, for now, anyway, I guess his son is still a VP or something if you're up on all the, the latest news. Um, but I think the point is when, when we get the wrong uh, things as centers of our identity, um, we misunderstand how, how to really be members of the same local church or even just friends when the core of my identity is related to, well, originalism regarding the Constitution and not Jesus Christ died for me and bought my life, that can be cause some friction, un, unwarranted, unneeded, unnecessary friction that will ultimately split people up and destroy communities, destroy churches in, in a corrosive and toxic way. So I guess part of avoiding it is, yeah, we want to create virtues. We want to cultivate virtues, but we also want to focus on the main thing. You know, I, personally, I mean, I'm not a pastor. You guys can call me out on this. I, I stop the sermons on politics, guys. Like if it comes up in your text while you're preaching expositionally, go for it. Um, otherwise, focus on what's in the text. Stop doing these topical sermons on how we should think about voting. If if you want to do a Wednesday night, like let's think about moral issues or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's, that is what it is, but I think Sunday needs to be reserved for, for the text and let that drive what your topics. I think you're going to find that you're going to benefit your people a whole lot more by staying anchored to that. You're not going to get into all these hot takes. You're not going to fall into, you know, let me give my opinion about X, Y, and Z. It, just leave them alone. I don't know. And I think that would help your people because I think when you're, even when you're trying to talk about politics in a way that's, that's helpful and, and it's going to generate hopefully uh, more light than heat. I just think it, it adds to it. It adds fuel to the fire, man. People hear what they want to hear. So if yeah. you go up there and you try to talk about politics in a way that's supposed to like actually generate charity, your liberal is going to hear one thing, your, your, your conservative is going to hear another, and they're going to take that as validation for how they're acting and thinking about politics. Jake, that's you my know, sermon, the, so there you go. There we go. Well, um, I not to use Brandon's term, I don't want to be cynical. But I think that if we're really just where the rubber meets the road and we're honest, you know, it's a lot easier for me to spout off my opinions on politics instead of mortifying my sin. And I think a lot of times what is happening is we get so caught up in a lot of things that make us feel something 
And yet the biggest issues in our life, we don't want to deal with or touch. You know, what happens on November in 2020, that does not even compare. If I'm struggling with pride, am I killing that pride in my life? Mm. If, I, if I battle with, with being ungrateful and coveting and lusting, am I killing that? Or am I more given to screaming over here at the person that disagrees with me politically? See, we like to deal with the easy things and not deal with the things that actually matter. Um, there was a controversial Q&A a few years back at a major conference, and all the participants were interacting for that, that Q&A except one. Uh, for the most part, it was Sinclair Ferguson just sat there, and he really said very little. And I know from a buddy of mine who was there who saw him at the Banner of Truth uh, booth, and Sinclair Ferguson remarked and said, why didn't we talk about prayer? Why didn't we talk about the word? Why don't we talk about the, the real spiritual needs that are in the life of our congregations? That's the actual real stuff. Not saying we bury our heads in the sand and we just become na naive to everything. But, you know, it really doesn't matter what's happening in Washington. That has no effect on our spiritual vitality and health. It has no impact whatsoever on our evangelism and mission and so forth. doesn't matter whether it's a, a Republican or a Democrat a socialist or a conservative or whatever that's up there, that has no effect on what we do as the people of God in our lives and discipleship and ministry. Jake, and, and, and I maybe, think as long as we just keep allowing. You can't pause that long, Jake. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think, I think, you know, the, the fervor with which our people, um, run to politics and social issues and things like that. I think that's an indictment on just how spiritually anemic our churches are. And I think yeah. that as pastors, that's yeah. something we need to, we need to bear some of that responsibility that, you know, maybe we've just been breezing along, you know, we, we preach our sermon on Sunday, our, our, you know, 20 minute Bible study on Wednesday night, but, but it's not, there's, there's no, there's no depth. There's no sense of urgency about, you know, mortifying sin and those things that Jake just walked through. And, and, you know, our, our people get easily wrapped up in these other things that, yeah, they may be important and they may matter. I'm not saying they don't, but they're not, uh, to the fundamental level of, you know, who we are as Jesus Christ church. And, um, I, I do think that we do as pastors need to take a look in the mirror and, Number one, are we setting a bad example? Just, just straight up being a bad example on on these things out in the open. And number two, are we maybe just kind of, you know, hiding away a little bit, hoping that we can just go along and get along and not, you know, press any buttons that would make you know our this political contingent upset with us or this group mad at us or whatever else. You know, or we give her mad at you. Yeah, I mean we we have we have a job to do that God has given us, and you know uh, I think maybe we we've just been slacking, and and yeah. that's the reason that all this is going on. I mean I can't think uh, of a sermon that that part of the application was to think about not only how I interact interpersonally with my wife and kids, but with the people that I interact with online. 
because man, how many people have I seen Christians that are just absolute jerks? And I think about the onlookers because I mean, like, if you're on Facebook, I mean, I've got friends on Facebook from high school and stuff that like worlds apart, and they see what I'm posting on there, and I probably forget that they exist. But they're they remember, you know, hey, this guy's a Christian, and if I'm talking like an absolute jerk, they're going to associate that with with Christ and Christianity. Um, so being aware uh, of my own audience. I think is important. And I mean, taking a look in the own, your own mirror about how you handle yourself. I, I can't help but think of, you know, if, if I'm a pastor or if I, I'm somebody of influence or whatever it may be, and I'm talking in, in stern ways on the internet, think about the bruised reed in your congregation. I mean, how do they observe that? Maybe you're right in what you're saying, but the way you're going about it is just hurting the, the silent onlookers who, who are in, in a hurting place in their life. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know what a good example of it is, but I just, I, there are lots of bruised reeds in, in our congregations and who are online. And a lot of people, you know, obviously some of the most vitriolic people online are the people who are just hurting oh. and, and they don't know how to process their hurt. So they're just lashing out in, in these extreme ways. But when, when your pastor, you know, lauds it on or says, you know, things in particular ways online, it, it can really add fuel, negative fuel to the fire. I think in a lot of ways, people you respect online. I, I think of myself, I quote tweeted Jeffrey Johnson yesterday. I think it was yesterday about something I thought he said that was just really dumb. Um, and I posted the the Shaq gif because I think Shaq is hilarious. But then I thought about it afterwards and I'm like, man, I, I don't see any good that that's really, really doing. Um, besides trying to say this guy is stupid for what he said. And I just think other people on looking saying, okay, Jordan is supposed to be, you know, he's trying to champion charity or whatever. Um, that doesn't look like charity to me. So, you know, I'll call my own self out. This is the repentance portion of the episode. (laughs) You know, I've been listening to too much doc and Devo or whatever, you know, they have to repent online on their show all the time. I guess in one show for another podcast, Jordan, dude, you know, I need to stop. Their show sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Oh man! I'd be time to wrap it up. All right, I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah, yeah I want to say one more thing. I want to say one more thing. Um, not that I get to like the last word or whatever, but uh, what Brandon and Jake were talking about earlier, and even what Jordan was wrapping up with, it, it reminds me of something a brother uh, mentioned the other day that I heard. He said, um, "Local pastor up here in West Michigan." He said, "Believers in the United States tend to think that voting is a sacrament." They may not say it in those words, but they feel that way. Um, but voting or whatever party line we we walk, it's not a sacrament. It, it should be more understood as a tactic. It's a tactic for Christians to uh, hopefully uh, use their minds to think, okay, what platform, what policy um, that I can use this responsibility for that God's given me to further God's kingdom, to further God's purposes. First Timothy two four, He desires all people to be saved. That's a reason why we make supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings, etc., for all people. Um, it's right there. Is it who desires all people to be saved? So I think part of our motive for praying for kings and princes and etc. is we want the gospel to to be able to move around wherever we are. We want it to be able to go out. And so if we start thinking about 
voting being a tactic for the Great Commission and, and actually using our minds to think about these things and not just bowing to whatever, uh, you know, who tells us to vote for, um, you know, we, we, we can kind of dis, dis, unattach ourselves so faithfully to a particular organization, institution, party, and actually, truly uh, approach these elections, approach these things um, with uh, considering both <laughs> law and gospel and, and considering what would please the heart of God uh, to promote human flourishing, but also uh, promote the uh, spreading of the gospel, which those two are, are obviously not in conflict with each other. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I think we have, to, we have to remember voting is not, and voting is a, is a tactic, not a sacrament. And um, I think that would kind of relieve us and, and help us rest a little bit and not put so much pressure on ourselves to, to do what everybody else is doing, even though in some cases that might be what we should do, but who's to say that, you know, these, these parties, they have to earn our vote. They don't just get it. They they can't assume that the people of God are just going to fold to, to the masses. So um, anyway, well, well now to leave the political realm. Yeah. Good good idea. Back back to the danger and sin of grandstanding. I mean, I think we all agree grandstanding is bad. We've talked about a little bit about what to do about that. I mean, hopefully, maybe some of you guys who are listening, you've got some good tactics and some good practices for how to stop grandstanding. Because um, I, I don't think any of us are saying when don't when we say don't grandstand, it, it means don't be firm in what you believe, don't take a stand for what what you think or whatever. It but there is a sense of you, you got to be gentle, kind, peaceable, all, all, all of these things, um, rebuke with, with gentleness and love and just don't be a hypocrite. Don't like go out and try to show yourself up. So, I mean, I guess when it comes down to it, I'm just like, guys do the ordinary means of grace, um, be a faithful member of your church and keep plodding along. And the Lord, will work by a spirit to change you. Um, but there is, you know, obviously hard work involved in that, you know, becoming like Christ is not an easy task, but I don't want to add up like you've got to do these 10 other things to do this. So I don't know. I think this is very much an ongoing conversation that the churches need to be having, um, about this topic, about this sin, uh, necessarily, because I think grandstanding uh, in, in most circumstances is sin. Uh, whether it's pride, whether it's wanting to be liked, whatever it may be, uh, the manifestation, you know, comparison. I think somebody brought that up earlier. Uh, jealousy, something. It, it, usually, it, it's a manifestation of a, a certain sin. So it is something that I think we need to proactively fight against and to think about uh, in a way that cultivates the right type of mindset, the right type of virtues. And um, begins to make our public speech a way that is honorable and representative uh, of the Christ uh, that we actually serve and not representative uh, of some, you know, deformed um, three texts from the Bible where Jesus said brood of vipers type of Jesus. You know, I think we have a tendency to like we just zero in on these four texts where he made a whip. He said brood of vipers. And he said something else, and that's my Jesus. 
<laughs> that's i mean yeah he did those things but he did five thousand other things as well and his overall posture i think is was one of compassion and one of patience um and usually it was with the religious people like the people who are like saying look what jesus did he's my example um that he got you know angry at but whatever brandon do you want to say anything before i close up nope all right <laughs> cool he, he, well, wants then. Say, he wants to say go heels but you've <laughs> chastised him enough earlier you, you know I, i'm just glad the braves didn't win so uh, <laughs> you know jordan it's funny you say that i don't i didn't realize how many braves fans uh, that i am associated with on twitter i mean well, it, it's because they usually just aren't good so people don't talk about them and then when they suddenly are in the nlcs for the first time in 20 years everybody and their brother's a braves fan kind of like the all right let's wrap it up wrap it up all right we're done so everybody you guys have been listening i, t- I tell you what go check out our website the london i think there's some cool stuff on there we've got some fun articles that are coming down coming down uh, the Pike, I think, is the proper terminology, and they'll be up on on there. If you've got ideas, if you've got something, you know, even if it's just, I want to test out this idea, or I think this is a good exhortation, or, or whatever it may be, you know, send us send us your idea. Maybe it's a good fit for the website. We want to publish cool stuff that gets people thinking. Um, we don't have to agree with it. I'm not going to agree with a bunch of stuff that goes on there, uh, but we want to publish good content that helps people to think uh, about theological issues. Uh, you guys just, I don't even know why you're laughing. Land the plane, bro. All right, I'm landing the plane. You've been listening to the only Analytic Baptist <laughs> Confessional podcast and stop hating. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.